You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Friday, Kelsey Charles and Megan Murray here with Girls Talking Boys. Hello. And it is Friday, so what do we got to do, Kelsey? We uh, got to get down on Friday. I actually was going to remember that song, so I hope you <laughs> give me like some pats on the oh, back. Oh, yeah, yeah, She was ready to say it, but okay. I, I was, I had a lot of energy. Yeah. I, we also had this discussion before we hit record about whether or not Friday actually counts as a weekend day or if it's one more day until the weekend. I'd say it starts the weekend. Like, you can go out Friday night with no avail and wake up Saturday morning and be hungover and it's fine. It's an interesting conversation. Or, you know, be productive. Yeah, way. yeah, we don't do that. Um, <laughs> why are you laughing? Just throwing it out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for real, though, because Friday night is when I would definitely consider things a weekend, but during the day I'm like, no, tomorrow. I feel like all day you're like, all right, tonight's the night. Weekend. I don't know. Just things to think about. Quarantine thoughts. Who do you agree with? Let me know. Definitely me. Better be me. Anyways, um, we had a really special guest on today. I've been following him. Meg's been following him on Twitter for a while. Charles McDonald with the New York Daily News. Uh, Four Verts, if you know him by his username. And um, he's fantastic. Unsurprisingly so. But... So if you're ever wondering what four verts means because you don't play video games or you're not a play caller, we definitely got the answer to that. Yeah, I had no clue. No clue. And um, Meg did some digging and uncovered a prize recipe. Mac and cheese. There are six cheeses. Six cheeses, and it belongs to the one, one of the and goats. only. Yeah. One of the goat quarter quarterback. Why is it quarterback? quarterbacks. Coaches. He has a goat quarterback. He does have a goat quarterback. Bunch of goats up in KC. Yeah, there's a lot of things happening. A lot of <laughs> lot of farmland. Anyways. That's where you get cheese, right? Yeah, for sure. Round it up. Okay. <laughs> Heels off. Um, and then, of course, we had to talk about the NFC East and where he sees things panning out in terms of this upcoming season. The Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl. He actually may or may not believe that to be a potential truth. So I'm not going to waste any more of your time because he has all of the hot takes. And without further ado, Charles McDonald. (laughs) All right, and as promised, we have a very special guest joining us today on Girls Talking Boys 1. Charles McDonald's from the Daily News and also an avid member of Team Pay Dak. Charles, hello. Hi, thanks for having me on. You know, it's uh, it's always fun to just kind of kill time while there's a lot of dead time and uh, talk about football because I, I guess we're just going to, you know, power through this little whole pandemic thing and, and play games in a few weeks. So 
uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's fun to always just talk ball, you know? Yeah, what's a coronavirus anyways? Yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> I think we got rid of it. <laughs> like, I... Yeah, we all got bored, so it's over. Yeah, I mean, it was trendy while it lasted. I'm really glad that, like... Yeah, like, know, I have a couple cute masks to show for it, but, like, <laughs> other than that... <laughs> a couple cute masks and a spike in cases. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's a valid fact, my friend, because... Honestly, I'm very happy to see sports come back, but I'm a little weary. I don't know if I personally am going to be showing up at games yet. I can't decide. Uh, I mean, I'm ex- I'm excited to even watch like an MLS summer tournament. Like that's where I'm at. Listen, and we'll see where we go from there. Marble <laughs> racing was pretty entertaining, though. I feel like we have to give marble racing its due. We've all been watching like a Twitch. Uh, <laughs> what is it college football simulation yeah. for weeks yeah and, oh uh, yeah yeah I've, I've been following that too coach, <laughs> it's hard not to listen, coach Duggs. i just feel like what if coach Duggs makes the jump to the pros like should we be considering a move like that like is that even a, a feature in those types of games i'm not a gamer can you tell <laughs> yes i can tell <laughs> <laughs> no you, you have to get the madden disc like you have to buy you know 60 more dollars to create your guy in the next game. It's all I will fund time. it. <laughs> Actually, group group fund. We could we could do this real quick. Like one person donates one dollar, and I feel like we have sixty people that listen to this show. There you go. That's what I hear at least. <laughs> <laughs> we all need a little entertainment. Can you tell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we're all dying. Yeah, we are. Um. So Charles, I have been following you for a minute, and if you guys aren't following him. He's a wonderful follow. He's hilarious, very insightful. Um, always keeps it real. <clears throat> always keeps it real. He's on Twitter at Four Verts. Um, Dara, like, am I silly for wondering what your username? Yeah, I wanted to know that too. Actually. We need to know the story, and I'm. I feel like oh, not super I, obvious. Oh, I was uh just trying to come up with like a username on Twitter, and I I have this friend who. Like he hoards, like he, he just, like every time he thinks of like a creative Twitter handle, he just makes an account and keeps it. I don't know why or for who or for what, but he had four verts as one of his like account names. So he gave it to me. And, and four verts is uh, like if you play Madden uh, or wow. NCAA or any of those games, it's like, it's just a, it's a play where you have four receivers running like routes down the field, like go routes straight down the field. So yeah, that makes sense. Uh, See, we don't Four play birds, games. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I got the first, like, I just didn't even make that connection, like, whatsoever. I was like, what do you think it is? Um, I, too, I would just like to share. So I feel like we're already automatic friends if you already befriend some weirdos like that. I, too, hoard usernames and domain names. You know this about me. I know about dom- domain names. I didn't know you hoarded <laughs> usernames. I don't, it's not really as much usernames. Usernames are more like when I start one of my additional random businesses that I'm like, this is a good idea. Basically, she has a lot of burners. Watch out. Yes. So, um, yeah. I, I was about to ask, like, what do you need them for? But just burners? Next question. So, like, talk crap to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. You know all those guys in your mentions? It's me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so as you mentioned, it's kind of been a slow news, uh, year in terms of sports, if you will, um, as there hasn't been a ton of action. Luckily we have had some things here and there and, you know, some like, you know, Tom, Tampa Bay happenings, <laughs> the draft, 
hallelujah that went through so that we have something to yeah, talk that about. Was fun. Yeah. But, um, you know, we, we know the whole DAC thing. We'll hit on that in a minute. I think for me, what I really wanted to get in to, to everything with you on is kind of the, the lay of the land from the NFC East perspective, because we've been doing a lot of focusing on um, what our team has done in the draft. You know, we've got a new head coach in the building, trying to figure out what his scheme's going to be. Um, we've also broken down every game that we're going to play and just made a wild guess as to how that's going to end up. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Cowboys going to the Super Bowl. We'll also talk about that because I think you're on that team too. Um, but yep. I was listening to your podcast. And if you guys don't listen to, um, he's got a podcast, Charles Setting the Edge. Um, I know it's been a minute. It's been on hiatus. But I think there's a lot of people that are happy that it was back. It's very good. So make sure you all are checking that out. Um, and you did a little bit of a breakdown of all the teams, which I actually appreciated. I kind of want to get your thoughts though, and start with the Cowboys. Um, you know, talk about what you think this team is going to be facing. You know, obviously we've got Mike McCarthy in the building. I think it was you or either your co-host who was saying that he's actually, he kind of does, um, get prepared to be gaslit. <laughs> As oh uh, yeah. Tell us more. <laughs> So my my co-host Justice is like a diehard Packers fan. So Justice has this thing where every year the Packers don't win the Super Bowl under Aaron Rodgers is like a losing season. So like according to Justice, the Packers only have one winning season since Aaron Rodgers has been drafted. So he, he just, he's just super duper dramatic and thinks that anytime you have Aaron Rodgers in your prime, you should be winning the Super Bowl every year. And uh, he said that Mike McCarthy was like gaslighting him for a decade because it, it just like it was always just a huge tease or or whatever. It, he, he he's just a Packers fanatic, so you can you can ignore whatever crazy stuff he says. But uh, the Cowboys, like, I expect this team to be one of the best teams in the NFC, if not the NFL, because like they should have been that team last year. Uh, like, if you go like pretty much by any semi-advanced model uh or, or even just basic uh even just basic stats like yards per play like they had one of the best offenses in the league last year uh and they probably should have won like two or three more games than they actually did so yeah. if you're looking at a team that, that underachieved the they led the league in yards per play like by a good mile like even more then the Chiefs and the Ravens, uh, they've let, they had 6.5 yards per play, and I think the Chiefs were second with 6.2. Like, there was a pretty good distance between them and everyone else. They just got so unlucky. Like, they shot themselves in the foot. I, like, the Vikings game, to me, is one that comes to mind where they got a little conservative at the end and couldn't win. But, like, on all the sustainable things, we're looking at just – success on a play per like on a per play basis Dallas was one of the best teams in the league last year uh and you know I don't really see any reason why that would discontinue this year I mean Kellen Moore for now is still calling plays uh you added CeeDee Lamb to Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup uh you're getting Jason Witten out of the lineup and and I think getting whoa, Blake whoa. Jarwin a chance to sign. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He, he doesn't have it anymore. But we like, get it. He's a good time. He's still a jacket wet to me. <laughs> yeah, and then you add, you add Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Scott on top of that. Like, it's just there's so much talent on offense that, barring injury to, to Dak, like, I don't really see 
how this team doesn't improve upon their record from last year because they were a good team last year. They just didn't finish games. And I think that there's I, – I, I always think it's hard for, you know, casual, like, fans or diehard fans that don't go back and, like, look at the stuff afterwards to just go, oh, you know, Cowboys, Chokers can't win, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it, it, it's football and it's random. And, you know, I, I was talking with uh, my buddies Mina Kimes and Nate Tice on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, like, if you have two bounces of a ball go toward go like in the wrong favor of you, like if two bounces of a ball uh, directly contribute to you, you losing games, like that's the difference between a, a wild card spot and a borderline top ten pick in the NFL. Like the margins are, are that thin. So uh, you know they underachieved, and and I think people are laughing at them for that. But everything points, at least to me, to this being like one of the best teams in the league. Next year. I totally agree with you in terms of the underachieve. I think. Yeah, you look at last year's NFC East and it was like, it honestly felt like at times that these teams were trying to lose the division. Like the fact that nine and seven was like what it took to take the number one spot is a tad depressing. <laughs> Taking my head. And, you know, it's not unheard of by any means, but you're right. I mean, there's so many games that, there's several games that I think, to me, Jets slayed me the Jets slayed me the Vikings that was tough Saints another one that I think we could have gotten back it could yeah. have gone, you know it could have gone the other way so that's that's three right there where an eight and eight record can easily turn into an 11 and five and that's you know that's that's playoff contention um so right. I totally see that for sure I also think special teams wise man whoo it was rough at times last year. Like that was just some of the stuff that happened on in, in, in that phase of the game to me was just so wildly unacceptable. I'm like, this, this is like special teams is so important, but like it feels like it it needs to just be foolproof at times. You know it's bad when like Kelsey's actively like, there's no way that this kick is going through. I'll buy everyone a shot if it does. And then we all this is an actual <laughs> thing that happened. I'm not even joking. I was like, it was bad. I literally was like, this is not happening. He's so bad. He's like, awful, awful. <laughs> and of course, like, he makes this freaking kick and I have to buy, like, the bar shot. But don't worry, we lost the game, so it's fine. It's totally fine. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, again, like, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that the offensive side of the ball is something where we have something special. And, uh, you know, do, do you kind of feel like bringing back Kellen Moore is a good idea? If, if you say that they underachieved so much last year and they had so many weapons on that side of the ball. Why would continuity be a good thing? Uh, I think just because like you have, you have parts where it, it doesn't go well and the offense is sputtering. Like I think, you know, especially towards some games towards the end of the year, uh, they got a little inconsistent, but you know, if you're talking about a first year play caller that, you know, even with the amount of talent that they had, that's leading the league in yards per play, and uh, people having like, and and Dak is having a career year with him. I think it's worth just you know trying to run it back again and seeing if maybe you can get some of the uh, some of the issues straightened out. Because if if you're if like if that's going to be your output year one, and there's room to improve while you're still putting out like a pretty insane offensive output, then I think that that's a good spot to be. And uh, any time, and, and like, if you're, if you're a team of the quarterback, we do this all the time with quarterbacks across the league. We talk about, 
quarterback and offensive coordinator continuity. If you're a quarterback that's had success with someone, then you at least want to bring it back for one more year and see if you can kind of get some of these scoring drives sustained uh, in the red zone and, and not, you know, just make so many dumb errors like with timeouts and being conservative and keeping your foot on the gas. Like I think that Kelmore is a really good offensive coordinator prospect. Uh, and if they can just kind of straighten out some of those issues they had towards the end of the season on offense where they just, you know, kind of went through droughts where they couldn't score the ball, uh, then, you know, I, I, I just am really bullish on like the potential of this team because I think the offense can be one of the best in the league. So you mentioned the wide receiver core and obviously adding, adding CD Lamb is nothing short of exciting. And I think 95% of people who watched the Cowboys draft were thrilled with the pick. Um, and surprised. Both. Yes. <laughs> All in good for good reasons. Yes. Do you, could you feel like you can come out and definitively say that the Cowboys with the addition of CD lamb have what you would say is the best wide receiver core in the league or who could potentially be a contender for that spot instead of them? I don't know who would be a contender for that spot. Um, I know. I, I like off, off the top of my head. I, I think that Dallas is definitely the best. Uh, just when you think about how good Amari Cooper is and Michael Gallup is a solid player too, uh, just to add CeeDee Lamb and like CeeDee Lamb was not a need at that point, but like how can you resist just adding that to your team if you have the opportunity to? Uh, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Maybe the Chiefs because I think Tyreek Hill is like really that elite and Nico Harmon and Sammy Watkins are good, but you know, just pure wide receiver talent, like it's them. Atlanta with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, but they don't have a third guy as good as C.D. Lamb. So I think when you look at the top three, it's it's crazy for Dallas. That's what I like to hear. I, I agree. But <laughs> on the defensive side of the ball, that's kind of where I feel like most of our concerns are. Do you kind of feel the same way? Like if if they can keep the offense in check, then that would be fantastic. And we'd have a really good thing going for us. But, you know, there's been a lot of questions with, the departure of Rod Mar Marinelli, you've got some holes potentially, some maybe holes, but maybe more so like uncertainties on on the D-line. Um, I heard you talk about it before, but we've discussed it as well. It, it seems um, not definitive when you're banking on some guys that aren't 100% guaranteed to be on the field slash also haven't played in, what, three plus years. Um, Alden Smith, you can't deny the talent that that guy had when he was out in, on the West Coast, but but he hasn't played in three years and Randy Gregory, we're not sure if he's going to make the return Tyrone Crawford. He's a guy that, yeah, he's done some great things for us. He's on the way out. You know, we, we lost Quinn uh, Bennett. That one made me sad. It did make me sad too. You've got DeMarcus Lawrence. We know what he's going to do and that's going to be great, but it's, it feels like there it's a bit nebulous as to how that's going to play out and not to mention the secondary Byron Jones departure as well, because we made some deals and paid and paid Zeke. Um, so I, I can't help but be a little bit more concerned on if the offense can really make up for what this defense maybe doesn't Score have. Score 40 points a game. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the defense is, defense is one I have trouble trying to figure out because like you like some of the names, like DeMarcus Lawrence, Van Der Esch, uh, Jalen Smith, if he can play better than he did for parts of last year, like, you got some pieces, but as a whole, it's it's definitely I think a unit that's going through like a, a mini 
rebuilding phase. And, you know, that's the big question. Like, can the secondary hold up so the offense doesn't have to be at a point where, you know, it, it kind of looks like some of those old Falcons teams where it's just Matt Ryan and Julio trying to play catch up because their defense is giving up 30 points a game. And, and that's a really difficult it's, – it's like it's a fun way to play football, but it's not uh, a style that's all that conducive to winning. So, you know, it's, 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 it should – that's like the, – the Dallas defense is one of the biggest question marks in the entire league team just because, like, you have a lot of new pieces – you have a, a defense that's built on their linebacking core, which is a little bit unique in today's NFL because usually you see teams that are – it's like either the secondary is a strength or the defensive line is a strength. But right. I think for Dallas, the, the, the linebackers being the strength is – it makes them a little bit of a unique case in terms of trying to project how to perform. So I really don't know what to expect from this Dallas defense. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's enticing to think that, maybe Lawrence and Van Der Esch and Smith just play so well that that they can keep it as like a slightly below average unit while the offense puts everyone and that's your avenue towards winning games. So because of the fact there's so many question marks on the defensive side of the ball, even though the C D Lamb pick is stellar, do you feel like this team will have I mean, regret's the wrong word. But do you feel like they should have more aggressively addressed those needs? I mean, obviously, you've got Bradley and I, and he, but, you know, he's kind of a tweener, I, I think. And, you know, you've got some secondary guys, but are you, do you feel like that's going to be something that they're just going to, they're going to be still hurting moving forward? Like, man, maybe we should have thought a little bit harder about really, really going out and grabbing a guy in free agency. Something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think in the draft, like, I, I think – at, at that point, and just in general, like adding someone like C.D. Lamb probably helps you more than any defensive player that you could have picked at that spot. And like just in general, I like if you're going to add a premium resource to like a passing offense, I think that's always a good idea in today's NFL. So yeah, like they could have picked a defensive player there, but the value on C.D. was so good, and like just the like B.I. The, like the concept of having Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and, and Gallup is, is more enticing, I think, than basically any defensive pick that you could have made. Uh, and I think, you know, in free agency, the Alden Smith stuff came so out of left field. But, you know, if, if any team was going to do it, like, it would have to be Dallas because I think that they're the only one. Like, one of the few teams wrong. that would be like, I don't and not, and not even, like, on a, you know, Dallas signs, bad people thing, just, like, Jerry doesn't have to care what anyone thinks. So if he wants to sign Alan Smith and see if he can make that work, he can do that because no one's going to check him on it. Uh, and I, I think, you know, losing Bennett is a big deal. Uh, losing Malik Collins, uh, that can hurt a little bit, even if he wasn't, like, super great. It, it's just it, – it's, it's, I, I, don't, I don't really look at a point in their offseason and, and say that's where they mess up on defense. I just think, you know – it, it, they just kind of played it how the cards felt and maybe they can still make a move before the the, uh, the season starts to add some secondary defensive line help. But yeah, it's, a, it's looking a little thin right now. And yeah, I mean, Oh, I was just going to say I'm with you on that, but I am team 40 burger all the way. So <laughs> I guess for oh, me, yeah. like, I just, it makes me, it makes me kind of question like even, even your friend, who was saying like that, that he's a the Packers fan and how he feels like he was gaslit a lot with McCarthy. Something that we <laughs> have continuously heard already is the concept of 
well, when I won Super Bowls, I, I made sure to, you know, get the, the, you know, best talent in the room. And then we figured out scheme from there versus trying to fit a player into a scheme, even if it's not hundred percent to their best abilities. So I look at the fact that everything is still kind of like, eh, we're not sure. And are you kind of buying that narrative that, yeah, just get the best players in the room and we'll figure it out from there. Or do you feel like maybe they should be trying to nail down a bit of more of a system or, or maybe they are nailing down a system and they're just kind of throwing that out there because they don't want to give us an idea of what they're going to do. <laughs> I, I think in Dallas's case, you have the personnel really to run any system that you want. Like I really, I think that's how talented their offense is. And just in general, I'm more a team. Let's get the good players and then we'll figure out how to incorporate it. Like, I, I think that that's something that is a little bit lost on some coaches in the NFL where they're just like, this is my scheme and I'm standing by it. And uh, I only want players that fit that scheme, but you know, there are so few like bona fide stud players that I think you just kind of got to grab them where you can and then just tweak your system to make it work. Like when you look at what Bill Belichick has been able to do with the Patriots for the past two decades, it's not like, you know, Tom Brady has just been playing in the same offense year after year. I mean, when he, when he got started early, like they were running power run with, with Corey Dillon and they had the years of Randy Moss where they were like a huge, uh, you know, just bombing passes deep down the field. Then they had Gronk and Hernandez and running two tight end sets with Wes Welker. And now, you know, they, in the last few years, we've seen them you know, stick through uh, like intermediate passing and the soft receivers. I think it's just, you got to figure out, what works best for you while also just maximizing the talent you have on your roster and adding talent where it comes. And once you have what you've collected, it's like, uh, you know, how can we build the best system to make this group of guys work? And I think that's where you see kind of like the best coaches work because even, uh, you know, Andy Reid's like that too, Doug Peterson. Um, and I think Mike McCarthy is, is interesting because I'm always kind of intrigued with like these older coaches that leave the game and then come back. Like John Gruden, that offense doesn't look anything like the stuff he was running in the early 2000s. So maybe Mike McCarthy is taking that time off that he had, that year off he had to evolve. And, and Dallas's offense is personnel so good that whatever he tries to run is probably going to be successful. How mad is Justice going to be if we come out and win a Super Bowl <laughs> with Mike McCarthy? Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> He's, he's going to be absolutely furious. Absolutely furious. <laughs> I feel like we should Especially, have him on here, too. Just to, like, vent. He need, it feels like he needed a oh, session. <laughs> you should definitely have him on. Uh, he's still tilting from the Jordan Love pick, so he, he's liable to say anything right now. Oh, I, would, ooh, I, I like that. <laughs> I'm here for that. <laughs> um, okay, well, noted. We've got Justice on deck. Um, and speaking of <laughs> quarterbacks, uh, since there is going to be such an emphasis on the offensive side of the ball for the Cowboys this year, I, how shocked are you? I mean, I, we know the narratives around Cowboys haven't signed Dak, franchise tag, July 15th, blah, 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 blah. We've heard it a million times over at this point. How surprised are you, though, that the Cowboys have not gone and, and, and signed the deal with him because of everything at play? Are you, just, are you shocked by that? And I want to bring up a few points that you had if you don't do so already right now, that I just think have not been discussed enough and are very valid. I, I am surprised because 
you know, it, it, it's with with Dak, you put his resume up next to really any young quarterback, like through what is it, three years, four years now? Like any, you put his resume next to any young quarterback, let alone the guys that he was drafted with, like Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, and it's like an easy no-brainer. Oh, okay, we should definitely pay this guy. Uh, like he hasn't missed a game. You win a lot of games. You're in the playoff hunt every year, and I, I think the thing that bugs me so much about a lot of the Dak criticism is people they'll just say, oh, you know, he's got a great supporting cast. Well, you know, what offense doesn't have great players? Or like if if you look at the Saints and they have arguably the best offensive line in the league and Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, or you look at the Falcons and they go out and they draft Jake Matthews and sign Alex Mack, and you got Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Aaron Rodgers at his peak, you know, they had Jordan Nelson and, and uh, Greg Jennings and Jermichael Finley and guys like that. Like we already talked about the Patriots with uh, Rob Kowski and Randy Moss. I mean, good players tend to make good teams and make good offenses. So I don't really understand why that's such a slight to Dak all the time, because it's not like it's, it's, it's his fault that he came in with Ezekiel Elliott and one of the best offensive lines in the league. And then they went on and got Mari Cooper. Like, he's doing his best to maximize that situation. It just kind of feels like we're at a point with Dak where the evaluation on him coming out of college now was like so clearly, obviously horrendously wrong. Because if you talk to people before his senior season at Mississippi State, like there are people who would say that he was like an H-back or a fullback uh, prospect through the NFL. Or at best, he would be like, you know, a, a Tim Tebow bulldozer, short yardage kind of guy and uh he's really blown the doors off any expectation that people put on him coming out of college so uh it's kind of like you look at that as a fan or an analyst or even if you're the cowboys yourselves and maybe you think you know how could we be so bad at this that we didn't realize that we were evaluating like borderline top 10 quarterback uh, in the draft that year? Like, is, was our evaluation so wrong or was it right and Payne will be a mistake? And I think that that's somewhere you get hung up on but on it because, like, let's say that Dak Prescott was the fourth overall pick in the 2016 draft and he, he plays the exact same way that he has over the last few years. I think he probably already has his contract in hand because maybe you feel good about the evaluation you made and it's come true, but there's something different about him being such an outlier. Like, he's not Tom Brady, but in terms of, you know, pick to production outliers, he's in that realm of, of like guys like Tom Brady and Antonio Brown, where you don't see, you know, a borderline fifth round pick coming in and being a top 10 quarterback pretty much immediately. But the track record speaks for itself. Uh, it's just got to get it done. And Dallas would be so much worse off without him. And I, I don't understand this this segment of like media where they just think that anyone could step in there, you know, he's proven his stripes. He's, he's the guy I think for them. Uh, is he the best quarterback in the league? No, but he doesn't have to be. And that's never what the, the highest paid quarterback has been about. It's just, it's your turn to get paid. And he's put a, together the resume to get a long-term deal from the Cowboys. And I, I think that they're also stuck on maybe that four versus five year deal, but it, it should have been done by now. So much truth has just been preached. And I hope you guys rewind and hit play as many times as you need to just get that through your head, ingrain that into your mind. 
Um, <laughs> I, I love, I, I, I will reiterate until I don't even know. I was going to say, the cow, the yeah, I was just like, cows come home. Like, why are these the sayings I have in my brain? Because <laughs> you're so, from Kansas. So embarrassing. Anyways, <laughs> disregard me entirely on that front. But yeah, I mean, paying pay a quarterback is not about, are you making more money than Tom Brady? And therefore that means you're better than him. It's about the market. It's about the market. It's about if you don't pay him before they pay Pat Mahomes, he could very well make more money than Pat Mahomes or Deshaun Watson because they're going to set the market. They're going to set the quarterback market. That's how it operates. Um, yeah, and also I'm going to do some digging into this myself just because I'm curious, but like looking historically at the Cowboys and how they pay their quarterbacks, it took them, I think it was like Romo's fifth deal to make that like mega $108 million deal. And like, granted, he wasn't, you know, he was undrafted free agent. He had like three mini deals. And then I think he got a, a good deal once he, you know, started to be, once he beat out Bledsoe and then he got that $108 million one. So I, I, yeah, I, I just, it's an interesting thing to look at. The one thing that you mentioned on your podcast, though, that I thought was a really valid point is there's, you guys were talking about, there's a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be coming out of the league soon. A lot of guys that have been in the league for a long time, you've got guys like Ben Roethlisberger, Rivers, maybe like Drew Brees. It's kind of like, there's a there's going to be a an exit, an exodus, if you will, here it seems in the coming years. And guys like Dak are going to be the next generation. So you don't you, you kind of are in this position where it's like he's going to be one of the guys, and like you kind of need to pay him because it's like you can go grab like some like vet that's been around for a while. And I swear if he somehow ends up on like the Eagles, I'll lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but I I just yeah. I, that I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because I just thought that was a really good point that we haven't talked about a lot. And, you know, I think it's worth discussing. Yeah. So, th like, just think about all like, – I think quarterbacking is in a great place in the NFL right now. And that's partly because, like, a lot of the old guys that we we've, we still have in the game today. I mean, just think about uh, all – in the next five years, all the guys who could be out of the league uh, almost – you know, the, the guarantees, I guess, in the next five years would be like Drew Brees, Phil Rivers, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, like all those guys who were drafted before 2005 will be gone. Matt Ryan will probably be on his way out the league because he'll be in his 40s. Uh, Aaron Rodgers will probably be out of the league by then because he'll be in his, his mid-40s by then. Um, we're looking at, at that point, probably a decline in Russell Wilson's talents because he'll be in his uh, mid to late 30s at that point. So um, unless the NFL or college football is able to replace, you know, not just eight quality guys, like we're talking about like eight of like eight, like seven or eight, some of the best quarterbacks of their generation of the past 15 years. It's unless the college football can replace those talents, like in a hurry, then I think that someone like Dak Prescott becomes like insanely valuable because one thing that I think that people forget is, or maybe they're not even aware of is like, when you look at these stats and you look at, you know, yards per attempt or what have you, everything kind of has to be measured relative to the league average. So, you know, seven, like if you throw for seven yards per attempt one year and the, the league average is six, you had a good year. And if you throw for seven yards per attempt one year and the league average was seven and you had an average year. And I think that that's kind of what you need to pay attention to as we kind of move through this next 
wave of quarterback retirements where we see guys who have been really titans titans at the position move on to you know the next phase in their life and we we may get to a point where in five years maybe passing production is a little bit down but relative to his peers like Dak Prescott could be a guy that's valued as a top five quarterback in a landscape where you know it's just kind of wide open like you have people or not people you have guys like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson who we think are going to be you know titans at the at the quarterback position over the next decade and then beyond that it's kind of you know iffy on like who are the superstars like Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott like I don't really know who gets you really all that excited. Like maybe you're a, a big Kyler Murray fan, like I am, and and that's someone. But the Kyler NFL, it, 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 yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be hard to it's gonna be hard to replace all these guys that are about to leave, and that just makes anyone who was playing at a high level that much more valuable. And Dak is playing a high level, so it's not like you can just let Dak walk and figure it out. You have him, and you got to keep him. And unfortunately for Jerry. And Steven, they waited too long, and it's going to cost them a little more than it would have a year ago. And Dak is cashing in off the career year, and and hopefully you don't get into a situation where it's like Kirk Cousins in Washington where you're just playing the tag game and then you end up losing kind of have to hit a, hit a little bit of a reset. Drop the mic. Um, all right, so I want to pivot over to NFC East, as I told you I was going to do like 50 million minutes ago because I just wanted to keep <laughs> talking about Cowboys. But – um, I'm not going to let this point that you just earlier skimmed over go sight unseen. I believe I heard you say that um, out of the draft class, quarterback draft class, that uh, you think that Dak is better than Carson Wentz. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, I don't think I said that, but I think it's true. I, uh, I feel like you I, might have, I, or maybe I manifested She just it. wanted to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I I definitely think that's true. Uh, I don't really know why. Like, I don't get why there's this consensus um, for. I don't know if it's a consensus anymore, but like, there's a a horde of people who just think it's offensive if you think Dak Prescott's better than Carson Wentz. And I'm like, look at what they've done in their careers side by side, and it's it's it, it kind of easily leaned towards Dak. Uh, People go on about how Carson Wentz, uh, oh, you know, he had to battle through that supporting cast uh, in 2019 when everyone got hurt. Well, all right, well, Dak did that in 2017 when Ezekiel Elliott was suspended for most of the season. And, uh, you know, I'm a Falcons fan, so I remember that game where he got sacked like eight times and six Ooh. times by uh, Chad Screen's guy. I forgot Yeah, that. so like, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you – you, like you bring up the the Wentz stuff where he played with a hurt supporting cast, but Dak's done that too, and uh, they almost made the playoffs that year. So uh, then, to me, it's just kind of like I was going to say. Technically, neither of them have played in a Super Bowl, so yeah, <laughs> just saying. I mean, Wentz, <laughs> I, Josh McCown has more career Eagles playoff passes than Carson Wentz does. I mean, Carson Wentz is barely playing the postseason, and when you just look at their body of work. Like, if you're going durability, it's Dak. If you're going for just pure numbers production, it's Dak. 
Uh, like they both show the ability to, to perform with her supporting cast. Like I don't really get why so many people think it's such a hot take. I and mean, Dak is he's proven. Uh, and you know, like I said, maybe it's just people's unwillingness to accept that they were wrong about who he was coming out of college. But my thing has been, and I, I started off like my career doing draft stuff. My thing has always been like, who gives a crap if you get one wrong? It doesn't matter really. At the end of the day, you can still uh, appreciate guys for who they grow to be. And at the end of the, like at the end of the day, if you're wrong about who you think a draft prospect is, it doesn't matter. So just let go and, and don't, don't put blinders on to what's right in front of you. It's like Dak is good. And everything that we've seen suggests that he's going to be at, at minimum, a, a top five, I mean, not top five, a top 10 quarterback moving forward. And it's insane to me also that people are scoffing at the idea of paying him. Like, he's only played four years. He could theoretically get, like, a lot better. Like, we see quarterbacks kind of hit that that, that second-half career efficiency boost all the time. Like we saw with Matt Ryan. Uh, we saw it with, like, Phil Rivers. He's had a lot of good years after 30. So I don't think it's crazy that – that could be even better down the line than he was last year. I totally agree. Heck yeah. Also, I'm sorry that I'm such an Eagles troll. Actually, I'm not sorry. Yeah, that fed our Cowboys fan <laughs> troll. Um, so, you know, as we know, the Eagles and the Cowboys, it feels like they've been neck and neck at the NFC East standings the past couple of years. Um, obviously, last year, the Eagles won the division in 2019, Cowboys, and we know what happened the year before that. We're not going to talk about it. But <laughs> how do you see this NFC East panning out this year who do you feel like has the best chance to win the division and kind of you know there's been a lot of changes um head coaching changes we've had a few of those um we know that our head coach previously went over to New York and a couple you could say that the Redskins transitioned like lenses oh key personnel <laughs> changes as well she's very punny um so what are your thoughts on I'll the lay of the, the lenses someday I swear <laughs> I don't think you will <laughs> Uh, I think I think Dallas should be the favorite, and the Eagles have a good roster too. But the question I have about them is, you know, when you look at their receiver receiver room, they spent the first round pick on Jalen Rieger from TCU, and then he's going to come in and play with um with Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. Uh-huh. Like both those guys were hurt last year, and they're both, you know, in terms of like NFL years, like they're getting up there in age. And Rieger's a rookie, so, like, it, it sounds good on paper, but there's some unknown qualities there. Uh, they got a lot of moving pieces in the secondary. Like, they're moving guys to different positions. Uh, they lost Malcolm Jenkins uh, to free agency. It, it, it just, like, on paper. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 80 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I gotta say, uh, you know, there's just a lot of moving parts with the Eagles, and like they they may be talented, but I think they're a year away from really competing. Washington is, I mean, that offense is just a, a wasteland. Like I, I there to me, there are no redeeming parts of that offense except maybe the running backs. And I'm like I'm like a Haskins fan, but I don't see how he has a, a good year. With that what about Kyle Young, though? I don't even know, is, is Haskins even a, a lock at quarterback? Like, honestly, because we know yeah, that, I, that, I, I th- that was a big point last I'm year. A, yeah, yeah. I, I think that he's a lock to start at quarterback because 
I mean, that pick was made by Daniel Snyder. Uh, Haskins is a, is a local kid. He went to Bullis uh, School, which is like somewhere. It, it's like it's in Southern Maryland near D.C. So I think that's part of the reason why Dan Snyder, the owner, made that pick. So I think that he's got that back in him. And as we know, Dan Snyder does exactly whatever the hell he wants to do, for better or for worse. <laughs> uh, and, but, but you know. <laughs> right he's he's awful but that's a, that's a, that could be a whole another podcast uh like they have a good they have a good defensive line uh but the offense is so bad it's just like i don't really know how they don't end up with like a top five picnic here and the giants are interesting like i'm pretty intrigued to see what happens with with jason garrett because he hasn't called plays in so damn long like you don't really know how much of a hand he had in with the with the Cowboys offense or or how much of like what went on in terms of play calling had his fingerprints all over it. So I'm pretty interested to see what happens there. And Joe Judge, like he, the idea of a special teams coach getting a head coaching job is always, you know, piqued my interest because Harbaugh, John Harbaugh with the uh Ravens has been so good and and Joe Judge is the first one to get hired as a head coach since him and Harbaugh was hired by the Ravens in 2008 so I think it's been a long time coming since we've seen a special teams guy get a head coach and that's like a wild card I, I still expect the defense to be pretty, pretty crappy but uh they got some they got some pieces on offense uh the offensive line if they're healthy should be okay uh you know they made that pick Andrew Thomas fourth overall they still have Saquon uh Evan Ingram Sterling Shepard Golden Tate's so, like there's some pieces and Daniel Jones is is functional, but I still think the Cowboys are top dog in that division because their offensive talent is just so overwhelming. Um, so I love that you called him functional. I I just I need to bring out the fact that I am obsessed with the fact that he and Eli were matching for most games. Like he they were he was a little like clone. It was cute. Um, it's baby Eli. It was. <laughs> it was. Hopefully we have. He like, really was though. <laughs> I know it's like it's like is he gonna carry on the torch of the Manning face though? Like very important questions that we need answers to. But I'm gonna go with yes. I, I hope you're right. Yeah. Um, Meg and I were talking though because there's been a lot of discussion around the fact that Jason Garrett obviously is gonna be in New York and he's gonna bring his offense and everyone's kind of laughing about the fact that oh well he's gonna run the same thing. Um, but to your point, he hasn't done any play calling since what like 2012, 13, 12. I feel like he had a lot to do with a lot of stuff. Do you we'll find out? This is this is where officially, we officially, officially. Yeah. So, like, I mean, how much can we honestly sit there and and say, well, we just can expect to see the exact same here thing thing that we saw in Dallas in New York? If like in technically speaking, it wasn't a hundred percent him. Like you had Linehan in yeah. there. You had you don't even yeah. had you had other people at not play. like that man. <laughs> I just, I don't know what 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 this Giants offense looks like schematically. It's just you know like you said like Jason Garrett is the ultimate wild card and it, it's not a barren wasteland with talent like Washington is. So maybe he can make something happen. But you know just based on you know the past eight years, I guess you know that's a long time without having like an official play caller title. Even if you know he's getting his hands dirty a little bit behind the scenes. Uh, I am like fascinated by the Giants coaching setup because, you know, you have Jason Garrett who has been in the league forever and, and now is getting like this little redemption arc, I guess, to call plays for a division rival. And then Joe Judge who, who, you know, comes across as just such like a football guy, hardo asshole, 
but when you get to when you talk to him like I, i've gotten to talk to him one-on-one a few times now and he's honestly really cool and uh like he's really detailed organized uh really focused in on like the small things that he thinks can help them go day by day and and and, and win games in the fall like it, it sounds so cliche because he's coming from new england but like you really do see that like that intense preparation that Belichick talks about when you meet him. So I'm kind of in- interested to see like how that all plays together. But uh, this this is the year for Dallas, I think, to to in last year should have been the year too, where they can kind of put their foot on the gas and run away with the division if they get to a hot if they get to a hot start. One thing we know we can count on from the Giants is that Jason will be on that sideline clapping his hands and chewing his gum. Yep. So <laughs> you've got Cowboys one, Eagles two then? Yeah. And then, Giants three, Washington four. Okay. It's it's set in stone. So we'll be we'll be re- revisiting this. Thank you for the manifestation. We believe heavily in it over here on <laughs> Girls Talking Boys. Um <laughs> One of the things that I love most about you, though, obviously you know everything about everything. Meg, um, what did you dig up that um, our friend Charles over here managed to... I mean, it wasn't really hard to dig up because it's literally in your bio <laughs> on, <laughs> on the website. Hard um, reporting here? Or, yes. <laughs> uh, best known for getting a mac and cheese recipe from Chiefs head coach Andy Reid after the 2018 NFL Combine. Honestly major props like it sounds good do you have it on your LinkedIn like can I endorse you because that's impressive I I don't have it on my LinkedIn but I did use it heavily so when I was interviewing for my job at SB Nation uh, a couple years ago like I whipped that story out in basically every interview that I had and then by the time that I got to like my final interview which is like basically a formality it was them asking me questions about the Andy mac and cheese thing. And it was, it was so random the way that it happened because that week or two weeks span, so the week before the combine that year, what year is this, like 2018? Yes. 2018, I'm thinking? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, the, so the week before the combine, I was at Sloan. Uh, I was presenting at the, the MIT Sports Sloan Analytics Conference. Uh, up in Boston, and then I went straight from there to the Combine the next week. So, like, I'm at the Combine, doing my thing the whole week, and I've been on the road for, like, a week and a half at this point. So my trip is about to end. I'm exhausted. Uh, All I want to do is just go home, lay down my bed, and hibernate for, like, a week and a half. (laughs) And I'm sitting down next to my gate, and they announced that they had to do some repairs on the plane. It was going to be, like, a two-hour delay. And I started getting heated like really mad so i left my bag there did, like went on a walk grabbed a beer grabbed some snacks came back sat down and when i sat down at my stuff like the entire chief's coaching staff was sitting there waiting to get onto their plane to kansas city and i started talking to one of their uh one of their defensive quality control guys somehow we started talking about thanksgiving food and how we just couldn't wait to get like a home cooked meal. And we started talking about our thanks, favorite Thanksgiving foods and recipes and traditions. And then Andy perked up. He was like, you guys talking about Thanksgiving food? And like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> like, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're just talking about food. And then, you know, Andy loves food, obviously. So he's starting to get excited about the conversation. And then we're all just talking about 
uh, favorite Thanksgiving dishes, and then we get some mac and cheese. And I was saying, like, I was like, oh, my grandma makes the best mac and cheese. And Andy was like, oh, you got to check out my recipe. I was like, your recipe? And he whips out his phone. And, like, you know, like, on your, your iPhone has a, a notes app. So yeah. on his notes app, he had just, like, dozens of recipes just typed into his notes app on oh his phone. Oh, my God. Uh, and <laughs> one line. of them... One of them was a mac and cheese recipe. So he was like, oh, he's like, oh, I'll give you my mac and cheese recipe. I was like, how are you going to give it to me? He was like, oh, he's like, oh, you seem like a, uh, you seem cool. I'll give you my phone number. So he gives me a phone number. Uh, he texts me his, his mac and cheese recipe. Uh, and then, you know, I got permission to tweet it out and it blew up. <laughs> like it, it went absolutely insane. Uh, I got interviewed by the Washington Post. Uh, one of my friends, like, one of my friends gave this radio uh, station in Philly, WIP, my phone number, and I have like one of the worst interviews of my life, which I still am <laughs> not over. Yeah, we're, I don't know if you guys know Angelo Cataldi, but he called me, or someone on his show called me like the most boring 23-year-old in the world because oh. I hung up on them because they weren't answering my, or I was answering their questions, but they weren't listening to my responses, so I hung up on them, and then they called me the most boring 23 year old in the world but yeah it's like my uh my little claim to fame wow okay you add that to your profile as well i feel like that's super notable hung up on eagles reporters <laughs> eagles radio <laughs> <laughs> okay so i just love that he has six kinds of cheese in this mac and cheese recipe this it's detailed fontina sharp cheddar mozzarella parmesan gouda and gruyere I love I that you said that right. I, I think you did because I was going to be like, yeah, that's all you on the presentation. <laughs> I think front. we should make it. We'll make the gluten-free version for y'all. and do It's it good. Set. It's good. Oh, I've only it? made it one time. Yeah, I made it one time. Uh, it's a little expensive, but <laughs> like to get all the cheeses, but it, it was, it was really it good. Like almost as good as your grandma's? Almost oh. as good. Not quite as good. I was going like, like, I can't bake at home. Well, yeah, I would say I, I got to get her to bake it. It's probably secret. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah it's it's wild like like i still get people asking me about the, the mac and cheese recipe today and i i still remember when i got hired by sb nation and i had used like that i'd used the story really like to carry me through like the interview process for the most part and when i got the job and i signed my contract i texted andy back i was like you know like i i use this story basically to get uh my first full-time gig writing and he texted me back in all caps let's eat with like four exclamation points so <laughs> yeah. wow that's fantastic <laughs> and you read the goat seriously though well charles we did a favor <laughs> for you because since we know this is like your thing um we we went ahead and did a little digging on our own and we got to you um coach garrett Jerry Jones and Dak Prescott's favorite recipes. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. So the Cowboys every year, I'm doing a little cheating. I'm not going to lie. They make a cookbook. It's like a thing. And I, when I was like, when I knew we were going to interview you, I didn't even think about it. And I was pulling out another cookbook because that's what I do in quarantine. I cook. And I was like, oh my God, I can find Jason Garrett's recipe. So, do you have any guesses on what his signature recipe is, Charles? I know this is a very, very difficult question, but, like, I just would like to hear what you think it is. If I had to guess Jason Garrett's best recipe, I, I, I would guess something boring, like like peas or something. 
<laughs> That's a really good guess. Um, love. <laughs> it's actually mom's Yorkshire, 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 well, Yikeshire. We're, we're de- Yorkshire. York, we're declining. We're in decline. Mom's Yorkshire pudding <laughs> is what his signature recipe is. At least that's what he's reporting in this book. I feel like that's really just Brills and he just copied it. I don't know what that is, but that's what he has listed here. Yeah, I've never had a Yorkshire pudding, but I wouldn't <laughs> peg him for a pudding guy. So if you want the recipe. Yeah, I've never had that either. I am happy to give it to you, but it's that is. probably not nearly as good as a six cheese macaroni. I feel like it's going to be not quite on par, but <laughs> I feel like either way it's worth a shot. We'll uh, have to get Mike McCarthy's yeah. recipe. We do. Jerry Jones with spice, <laughs> spicy mashed sweet potatoes with maple syrup, which I think was a recipe he borrowed from the uh, President Bush, his family. And Dak Prescott was sesame ginger roasted salmon. But let's be honest, he did not su- submit that recipe. I, I, yeah. There's no way. What I found out, because I was, when I was, you know, young and Doesn't naive. He put, like ketchup on this? Yes. I almost said he does, spaghetti. <laughs> he, don't, he does spaghetti and ranch. Like, I actually interviewed him a couple years ago, and I was like, Dak, like, what's your pregame recipe? And he literally was like, spaghetti and ranch. Ew. And I was like, come again? I'm sorry, what? Ugh. Spaghetti and ranch is the go-to. I'll have to figure out exactly what the ratio is. Like, I never quite got that far because I think I was so disgusted, which shame on me for being a bad reporter. But I guess- like, I love ranch, but what? <laughs> yeah, like, what are we doing here? So I just wanted you to know that, like, we have those on deck if you need them for future stories. <laughs> I don't know what Mike McCarthy's recipe would be, though. I bet he has a good cheese curd. That just I Yeah, I would say something cheese related. Are yeah. you sure though? Because he's from he's from Pittsburgh. Oh, that's true. Maybe he has a good sandwich. Yeah, something like that. And Doug Peterson apparently likes Sundays, so but no one cares about him. Anyways. <laughs> um Charles, <laughs> you're amazing. Thank you so much for hopping on. Tell the people what you have going on right now, where they can find your work, podcast writing, social media, all the above. And, um, yeah, cause you're worthy of a follow for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at four verts. It's S O U R verts. I, I do a podcast with, um, my good friend, Justice Mosqueda, uh, who was just working for the XFL called setting the edge. Uh, we were dormant for like seven months and then we got bored and just wanted to vent about football in the world. So we recorded like a couple of weeks ago and we're going to try to make it, you know, a more frequent thing since we're all just kind of sitting around doing nothing and it's easy to, to get people to come on right now. So, oh, so like definitely check that out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, we'll talk to anybody right now. Like we're just, we're just craving human interaction for the Let's most go. part. Uh, <laughs> And I write for the New York Daily News. Uh, I cover the Giants and the Jets for them and like the NFL at large. And right now I'm doing like a small series uh, looking at like each of the, all like, so, so there were five rookie quarterbacks that started last year. Uh, and all, and like five of them are, are entrenched as starters this year, but Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, and Gardner Minshew. So I'm just kind of doing like a series day by day and uh, looking back at 2019 and looking how they can improve for 2020. So that's been fun to write. Uh, I got the Dwayne Haskins one coming tomorrow and then Minshew and then Jones and then Murray. Uh, and then, yeah, I like him too. He's fun. And <laughs> outside of that, you know, just kind of waiting for the NFL to actually give us 
notes on when the season's going to start. So making a lot of the jokes in the meantime, because I think we might be sitting here for a little bit longer than they're letting on. Uh, that's hey. all I got. Um, all right. Well, in conclusion, you heard it from the man. Cowboys are winning the NFC East. They need to go ahead. And, and the Super Bowl. Yeah, they need to go ahead and pay Dak. And then when they do that, we're going to win the Super Bowl. Follow him, Charles McDonald. Charles McDonald, my goodness. I really, words are really hard for me as of late. At it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Thanks, Charles, for joining us. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I don't mean to get too cheesy, but that was a great interview, Charles. Dude, I cannot with you. <laughs> Literally, every single time we record our outro, she looks at me and she's like, all right, I'm ready. And I'm like, well, what are you going to say? And she's like, I got it. And I'm every single time. Sometimes, well, I didn't have without one for fail, Trista, unprepared. And I'm really upset that I didn't have one for Trista, but... This one just like made itself up, so we're good. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, yeah, so you're lucky I didn't do something with McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that one's coming. I'm gonna keep talking before you just throw that one out when you might fail. <laughs> Charles McDonald, I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um I did love it though, for the record. He was incredible. I always say that we have guests. We just get so lucky. We have the best guests. I'm sorry. They're just so fun. Yeah. He was so smart. I told him afterwards, I was like, listen, I know I, I cut you off and I let you go, but like I could have talked to you for like three more hours. Yeah. It was one of those ones where you're like talking and then you look at the clock and you're like, wow, we should probably like let them go about their day. Yeah. And I also just love the fact that the way he looks at the NFL is just so from a holistic perspective and he's he doesn't buy but he can get down to like the nitty-gritty too yeah it's great he doesn't buy into like the cheap storylines like he's gonna shoot you straight on why he thinks Dak needs to be paid um what that's gonna look like I love the addition of the of the narrative on on honestly a lot of these like you said the titans that are gonna be leaving and making him an exit here probably in the coming years I think that's something that hasn't really been touched on as much and I think it's important there's a lot of factors coming into play with this contract negotiation. Honestly, for having no news right now, I love this news. Yeah, I mean, the, it's a good point because the NFL is going to look so different in, like, just a couple years from now. Right. Like, this is – it's going to be the end of an era, and I, I just – it's going to be crazy. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on how you think the NFC East, unbiased as much as possible – we know that's yeah, hard. unbiased. But in summary, again, he's got Cowboys first, Eagles second, Giants third, and Redskins fourth. So sound off. Uh, let us know on Twitter. Yeah, and also remind Kelsey that she had the Redskins beating us once this next year, and I said no. Listen, I just feel Keep like that in mind. Ron Rivera's got something going on behind those, those transitional shades. I'm going to give him credit for one win. You really think he's going to transition this offense that much? I don't know. I feel like he's going to do something weird. <laughs> and I'm not saying it's going to be legal either. So, Ooh. listen. Um, yeah. At FBI. At FBI. Tweet them. All right. So, you can tweet us, though, if you'd like. We'll see you guys on Monday, though. Um, I'm at Kelsey underscore Charles. And Meg is? At Meg Murray with four R's. You guys have the best weekend. Stay safe. And, um... As always, Cowboys forever, Eagles for never. Bye, guys. <laughs>